You can pray until you faint. But if you don't get up and try to do something, God is not going to put it in your lap. And it's no need of running and no need of saying, Honey, I'm not going to get in the mess. Welcome to Black Power Talks. I'm Soliana Bakel. Today, we're going to talk about the 2022 film, The Woman King, starring Viola Davis with a strong supporting cast of African actors. This feature-length movie premiered at the Toronto Film Festival on September 9th, 2022, and opened in theaters on September 16th. What you'll hear on this episode of Black Power Talks are excerpts from an international People's Democratic Uhuru Movement roundtable discussion about the film, held on October 2nd, 2022. That roundtable was hosted by our Black Power Talks radio show co-host, Dr. Matsumela Odom, who was recently appointed as the new president of the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement. Congratulations and salute to President Matsumela. Dr. Matsumela is joined by Louise Kinshasa, Secretary General of the African Socialist International. S.G. Louise was born in the Congo and joins this program directly from London, where he lives and works in exile. Also participating in this discussion is Kalambayi Andanet, former president of the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement, who currently serves as the Midwest Regional Organizer for the African People's Socialist Party, from our birthplace of St. Louis, Missouri. And directly from occupied Azania, named South Africa by the colonizers, we'll hear from Tafari Mugheri, chairman of the African People's Socialist Party in that country. This October 2nd roundtable discussion began with a review of the historical and geographic context of the Woman King film story. Now, today we're talking about the, the, the film, The Woman King. The Woman King is a 2022 uh, uh, historical epic uh, film. Uh, about the Agoji, uh, the, the Agoji, uh, or Gojie, uh, all, all commonly known as the uh, Amazons of Dahomey, um, was an, were an all-female warrior force, uh, warrior unit that protected uh, the West African king of Dahomey. Dahomey is now uh, renamed uh, Benin, uh, not to be confused with the kingdom of Benin, uh, which is uh, in uh, southern uh, Nigeria. During the 17th to 19th centuries, uh, that's when the uh, Agogie um, uh, existed. Now, many of you all might be familiar with Agogie because Agogie have made uh, appearances in uh, other films and shows. I think most recently it was Lovecraft Country that called upon uh, the Agogie. For a variety of different reasons we might be able to get into today, uh, the Agogie 
are very um, uh, well documented and, and followed. Uh, we can get into some of that. But uh, the film was set in, 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 in 1823. This is five years after the Dahomeyan king by the name of Gezo, who was portrayed by John Boyega in the film had taken power. Now, as you all know, uh, this is something we'll get into. This is also 20 years following the uh, African workers revolution uh, of IET, uh, which for me is, is really an important uh, context for us to place this film, uh, 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 for us to place this film into. Um, the African Workers of uh, Revolution in IT created an imperialist crisis, which we'll talk about. Other anti-colonial revolutions uh, on both sides of the Atlantic emerged uh, as a result of the African Revolution of IT or Haiti. Uh, as a result, the powers, uh, uh, colonial powers, um, you know, had begun to abolish the slave trade. Uh, not for the reasons, you know, uh, so, so, so this is what we would talk about, right? Uh, but not out of some sort of humanitarian uh, uh, endeavor, but to uh, stave off uh, uh, anti-colonial revolution. The one thing we know about IET that made IET such a successful revolution is uh, uh, France had really tried to catch up uh, with the other colonial powers and brought so many uh, uh, Africans over at such a short amount of time. Um, uh, uh, this allowed for uh, the common identity, the, 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 the fighting the capabilities and everything like that, right? Uh, so this is important. Now the woman king centers on events inside Dahomey. Dahomey had risen in the 17th century. Uh, uh, the king of Dahomey had uh, historically traded in enslaved Africans. So yet there was also this conflict between Dahomey and the Oyo, uh, the Oyo empire, which was a Yoruba kingdom uh, in Southwest uh, Nigeria. Now what's called Nigeria. Africans inside Dahomey um, argued for the, some Africans inside Dahomey actually did argue for the eradication of the slave trade, which is depicted in the film, and wanted to move to a different form of commerce. Uh, the film makes it explicit that the colonial uh, slavery was a system that was imposed upon African people, uh, and that it was not in our best interest to continue in participation in that, right? So, 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 so that is something that is talked about in a film that uh, sort of stands out to me. Uh, there are elements of African unity uh, 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 proposed in the film. However, uh, the important thing that I would like to note about this film that we must understand is regardless of how much you all like the film, uh, the film is not an African internationalist film, and, and, and we don't propose that it's an African internationalist film. However, as we noted, uh, you know, millions of Africans have watched this film, uh, and therefore I think we should discuss the film uh, in African internationalist context. Uh, there are some central themes that exist within this film uh, that I think we can engage. Uh, the the Goje are depicted as really an all African fighting force. Uh, there's a part in the film where they talk about how, you know, uh, no matter where you're from, uh, as long as you join the Goje, those differences dissolve. The, there's the role of African women in, in, in African liberation that I think many people take from the film. The special oppression of African women and the dispersed African nation 
uh, with the character who uh, is returning home uh, to Africa. There is uh, the presence of African spirituality, specifically what people in Yoruba will call Ifa, what people in the phone language call Afa. There are themes that are present that we need to pull out, such as the fact that uh, the conflict between Oyo Empire uh, and the Dahomey Empire uh, represent, I think, really a false uh, African borders, false African consciousness, even to an extent, that were imposed on us. Dahomey, in fact, represents a, a form of false African consciousness uh, uh, being a construction uh, of the um, slave trade. So let's begin by looking at the trailer from the film. An evil is coming that threatens our kingdom, our freedom. But we have a weapon. They are not prepared for. My king, the Europeans wish to conquer us. They will not stop until the whole of Africa is theirs. We must fight back for our people. Maneska, you are asking me to take them to war. Some things are worth fighting for. Don't know. You are called to join the King's Guard. No kingdom in all of Africa shares this privilege. Train hard, fight harder. We fear no one. And we fear no pain. I offer you a choice. Fight or we die. That was the official trailer to the 2022 film, The Woman King. You are listening to Black Power Talks, produced by WBPU, Black Power at 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. On today's program, we bring you excerpts from an October 2nd, 2022 roundtable review of this film, which is a hot topic of discussion throughout the African nation. Following the showing of this trailer, Dr. Matsumela provided an overview of the impact of slavery and the colonial mode of production on African people and on the rise of the European colonial nation. Following the overview, the panel discussed their initial reactions to the film as well as the importance that the African Revolution in Haiti plays in setting the overall context of the film. 
All right, so just some things that I want to go through very briefly to set up this conversation is to understand what Chairman O'Malley Ashtetela refers to as the colonial mode of production. Chairman uh, asked the question in an uneasy equilibrium, will capitalism and the resultant European wealth and African impoverishment have occurred without the attack on Africa? It's division, African slavery, and dispersal, colonialism, and neocolonialism. So the important thing about the African internationalist perspective is to recenter the colonial question in our conversation. Colonialism uh, is a mode of production that got Europe out of feudalism, Chairman O'Malley Ashtetela teaches us, with the assault on Africa uh, in the early 15th century, which produced, uh, so Portugal uh, engaged in 77 years of of kidnapping and, and looting wars in Africa before any people had ever come here to the Americas. Africa was free, Africa was healthy, Africa was rich. We had our own power, our, our own lives. And you know what? In many ways, uh, in many instances, there was collective African identity. There was an understanding of an Africa and African people. There, however, was not an understanding of Europe and Europe, European people. Uh, Europe consolidated itself through the assault on Africa. Mansa Musa's uh, pilgrimage to Mecca in 1329 is absolutely important for us to understand because this happened amidst uh, the turmoil that was taking place in what would become known as Europe. So Africans lost a better way of life in a free Africa before the colonial invasion. We fed, housed, clothed, and ruled ourselves, Chairman O'Malley's Teller notes. Uh, women were recognized as rulers. There were laws uh, upon uh, all sorts of things, you know, and even societies created uh, for the protection and equal rights of African people. Something that's not here, uh, a same gender loving African people existed with freedom and equality. There's no homelessness, no solitude, police murders, no prisons, no famines, no constant civil warfare, no I- I- illegitimate economy, no illegitimate foreign rule, no colonial horizontal violence, which I do think the film, uh, when you understand that, that's colonial horizontal violence that you see. Uh, there was the Mandan Charter of 1236, uh, one of the oldest constitutions anywhere in the world, uh, albeit in largely oral form. Uh, the preamble of seven chapters advocates for social peace and diversity, the, the inviability of the human being, education, and integrity of the motherland, food security, the abolition of slavery via razia or, 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 or raid, uh, and freedom uh, of, of expression and trade. There was no such thing as capital punishment. Uh, even when warfare was waged, the goal for warfare was, all, was, was, was not what Europeans call total war. The attack on Africa gave Europe actually the means to attack the rest of the world. Uh, we'll talk about Elmina. Columbus took multiple trips to what is now Ghana, to the Elmina Castle over there, uh, before he ever came 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 west. Uh, shipbuilding, map making, all sorts of things were produced and, and perfected in that seventy-seven year attack on Africa before Europe, Portugal, Spain, etc., um, uh, went westward. Africa gold was the main source uh, for the mintage of the Dutch gold. And so remember, in the 14th century, what's drawing uh, uh, colonizers to Africa 
is is the gold, is the resources. That's what is drawing the colonizers to Africa. And, and African gold will be minted as European gold. There's a meme floating around right now that talks about uh, Mali and the country of Mali. We see the fact that Mali has some of the most gold mines uh, and no gold reserves. France has uh, some of the most gold reserves in the world and no gold mines. Where did their gold come from? The colonial mode of production also produced what one professor calls uh, the alchemy of slavery. Uh, the alchemy of slavery can be summed up as a process through which Africans are turned into gold. Africans will become the primary material resource, human resource taken from Africa to make Europe wealthy. A professor named Stephanie Smallwood in a great book called Saltwater Slavery uh, notes that uh, captives outstripped gold after 1700 to become the region's prime export commodity. The Gold Coast was, at, was in actuality becoming a slave coast. So this alchemy of slavery is the colonial mode of production. And this is what we see, right? However, one of the big debates people have right now is, is this question of Dahomey. Right. It's important for us to understand. Uh, and Walter Rodney attacks this in the book, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa, that first off, slavery and colonial enslavement is genocide. Right. Secondly, he attacks this apology. And we see the apologetics even coming from certain African people for this by saying that, look, you can't make excuses for the European assault on Africa uh, by blaming Arabs and Muslims, by blaming African involvement. He, he knows that there's different different models, but but at every single moment, it was a European demand. No matter what you think about the King of Dahomey, the King of Dahomey never took a ship of Africans to the to, to Liverpool. The rise of, of people even willing to participate in this is the result of the attack on Africa and also understanding that Africans at every single moment resisted uh, on the continent uh, and elsewhere. It's important to note that with the imposition of enslavement uh, and colonialism on Africa, it changed the African economy. And this is what we're looking at. Uh, with a variety of resources, uh, human and material resources being stolen from Africa. In the film, you'll see uh, some of these uh, slave fortresses. And just note that this represents the attack on Africa. They line the, e the West Coast and even the East Coast of the continent at that time. And we see all these different uh, elements of dehumanization. Yet one thing that I feel is also important for us to understand is that at every single moment, at every single moment, Africans resisted the institution of colonial slavery at every single moment. Even amongst the colonizers own history itself, we have uh, evidence of hundreds of, of, of raids and attacks against the fortresses, uh, the European fortresses on the coast of Africa. Africans attacked the ships. Africans fought and tried to free each other. And it's not just about this film. Uh, it's important for us to broaden that out and understand that that is 400 year history. Uh, historians, uh, scholars suggest that at least one out of 10 of the uh, slave ships had an active rebellion on the slave ships uh, themselves as well. President Kalambayi, uh, you saw the film. Let us know, uh, what was your immediate response after you saw the film? You know, um, my initial um, um, organic feelings about the movie when I seen it was, it was a good movie. 
And I quickly asked myself, why would they release this? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I wanted, I wanted to understand because it's never to actually, um, you know, push um, revolution or to help the African working class see what I felt that I had experienced in the movie. So um, when I seen the movie, I was like, oh my God, we have to use this to organize. I immediately thought to my brain, like, you know, I should have a petition. Um, when people come off this movie, they need to sign the petition. Um, this, you know, shows, you know, how the constant attack on Africa. So I really thought it was a good film. My initial thoughts when I seen the movie is that I was, I was moved to tears. I was on the edge of my seat throughout the movie. I was like, yeah, you know, like just had all these, <laughs> all these feelings through, um, throughout the movie that I, how I experienced it. Yeah, you know, I I, I saw it with with my oldest. Uh, it was fun, and um, and it was interesting because when I went to the movie theater, it was one of those like who's who of uh, the African community, and saw so many people and stuff like that, mostly African women, and uh, but then a lot of African fathers like myself were with their daughters and stuff like that, and 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 I was familiar with the uh, pre um, a film uh, conversation. You know, I, you know, I had to sometimes, you know, I put on my historian hat. I went in with an understanding of the fact that, you know, why Dahomey, right? Uh, but also understanding the fact that African women from day one led anti-colonial resistance uh, 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 on the continent. So you got people like Queen Nzinga uh, out of what's now Angola. You got people like Yasantua, Queen Yasantua uh, out of what's now uh, Ghana. You got people like Queen Nanny of the Maroons uh, uh, out of what's now Jamaica. You got people like Dundara out of, out of um, you know, Brazil and, and people in other places and stuff like that. So I said, why Dahomey, right? And things like that. And why then? So, but so, so, so these are important conversations, but at the same time, uh, sitting there uh, with my youngest, um, I mean, my oldest, you know, I, I said, oh, wow, you know, she's really captivated by the images that she sees on the screen. And, and they were, you know, they're all, you know, African women, you know, they got hair underneath their arms and, and, and they are uh, living a word lifestyle, you know, discipline, training, things like that, that goes along with it. So, so I, I understood, okay, as you said, this is something that we should uh, uh, for sure sum up. Uh, uh, in the African internationalist context. Yeah. yeah, so I also remember hearing Chairman says that, you know, movies and music are influenced by the motion of the people. So I thought about that, you know, that the movie was created in, in this period, in this time, um, resistance and, um, you know, the, you know, the masses of people um, recognizing their relationship with Africa, even if you know, people haven't been moved to stop calling themselves funny subtitles, but um, we, we were um, dashikis and we going back to our natural hair and we are even, you know, the spiritual community is going back to, you know, traditional thoughts of Africa or studying the things that we were doing before um, we were captured by um, and enslaved by um, Europeans. And so um, I, I thought about that, you know, the, the movie being in the content, you know, of course, they're not going to see what I've seen, but that this is why the movie is even being planned right now. It's because of the resistance of the masses of people um, and the state got to get in front of it and try to control the narrative. But what I um, quickly um, seen 
in the movie, uh, it, it, I was struck by, I saw what I felt that I saw, a class contradiction. That, you know, in the African, um, in, in the African nation, it is um, a class contradiction. And it, to me, showed why the African working class gotta leave the struggle because they have nothing to lose. You know, um, that I'm gonna fight because it's nothing. I have nothing. They took everything from me. And then the petty bourgeoisie, um, his wife um, that was in his here trying to say, just let's keep doing what we've been doing. She had too much to lose. She didn't want to lose her status. She didn't want to lose her, her, her slaves. She didn't want to lose her lifestyle. And so slavery wasn't that horrible in her position or where she was sitting. But, you know, other um, people it was the most horrific thing that they could come and get you. They could come and get your children because that's who was feeling the butt of uh, this thing. So I thought, I felt that I seen um, clearly, you know, a class um, contradiction in um, how the African working class and particular African women, you know, and, and I also didn't see, I didn't see the, um, I didn't see uh, what's they called feminists. I didn't see them as a feminist line. I seen them as understanding that, you know, the importance of African men, you know, I didn't hear anything about, you know, it was a feminist line, but African women warriors, you know what I'm saying? And seen as equal um, and seen as much needed and respected, you know, um, which really helped to see that um, when did we um, change our thoughts or our process of what, you know, um, our relationship with each other is um, because through, and I don't want to get too deep in it, but I know how I was raised is Christianity. And it, it very much teach that women have to be submissive. You know, man is the headship, you know, but this movie kind of like, to me, it, it, it showed that that's not, who, that's not how our family was structured, you know, but it's very much an identity that we take on now that, you know, the man have to be this, women have to be that, um, et cetera. So I could really appreciate um, that, and even that is no such thing as a good slave owner. I very much seen that the white man that was there, you know, um, you know, he thought he was trickery and he, you know, slimy and slimy or whatever. And he got this um, friend that has that is that is is colonized. That's first time back to Africa, and his mother was a slave. And you know, like this is his friend, but he it's no such thing. It's no relationship with the slave and the slave owner that can ever be mutual or good or okay. It's always an interest there that um, is not gonna serve us. You know what I'm saying? So only way that white people can be on the right side of the question if they work under the leadership of African people. Because if they left to their own demise, they're gonna come to other conclusions that do not have the African working class um, free and liberated. And so it's, to me, it showed that the petty bourgeoisie and um, nice white people or gentle white people or the okay white people are not going to help us get free. But the African working class must lead our own struggle and um, the power and the strength in the African working class as well. And the dedication of revolution, the Vanguard Party. You know, I seen like when, they first, when the movie first started, um, she says to all these women, um, if you cannot understand that we would not take husbands, you know, we would not have children, that we understand that this attack on Africa has to be the center thing, 
And so we, you know, and I, you know, I'm putting, put it in her words. I, I just was moved by that because, you know, like revolution is everything. And what is it? What, what sacrifice can be too great to win our liberation, to, to win for our families not to be stolen and all the different things that happen to us that is horrific. And so it just really showed, you know what I'm saying, um, the, the, the structure of the importance of cadre. And, um, and I even felt that it showed that even when you think you're doing like for myself, I felt like I seen myself in this film, how she would be challenged because she would break democratic centralism. She would break the line or she would break her leadership because she thought she could do better or she wanted to go and um, save the comrade, but that's not always the right thing to do. We gotta follow democratic centralism. Oh, oh, yeah, thanks for that, thanks for that. That's what I think is interesting about this film. Without a doubt, uh, no one is suggesting that Hollywood produced a revolutionary um, film. Uh, but what, uh, and we recognize without a doubt that uh, Hollywood um, hegemony uh, has been used to uh, uh, spread, uh, you know, American colonial ideals as well as uh, colonialism overall. You know, uh, Hollywood plays a very central part to the colonial superstructure, uh, as do uh, the schools and the universities and things like that. Now, uh, S.G. Louise, you heard all that, um, and, and I know that you want to um, uh, uh, respond. I just want to unite with uh, what uh, the Emeritus President uh, of NPDAM uh, said. Hollywood definitely has its own uh, agenda. Uh, that's uh, the white ruling class trying to be relevant because uh, the battle, as, as people know, colonialism as a mode of production or white power was born there on a show for Africa, on an attack on Africa. And uh, we can all watch that film and uh, remove that uh, reality uh, from uh, understanding uh, of this movie. This movie uh, begins with, or deals with 1823. And that gives us, uh, if you, you take into consideration that the attack on Africa, the attack that led to the creation of colonialism as a global mode of production, the attack that led to the uh, creation of white power uh, began 1415. Uh, and uh, that is a long time. So that's 408 years. So when this film, uh, the way this film basically, you know, is dealing with, uh, this battle that took place between the uh, the Daomi and the oil, you know, let's say that once more, that 408 years Africa has been under assault. We're not talking about eight years or 10 years, 408 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. And the consequences is that Europe has been transformed. United States has been created. Brazil has been created. All this new, you know, uh, a new world basically has been uh, created. So it's not the issue of, between Daomi and uh, Oyo because the fight between the Daomi and Oyo will not free anybody. Well, it will not free anybody. And uh, on the contrary, this battle uh, for me highlights one historical weakness. Uh, weakness in, in the sense that uh, 
we have not succeeded uh, throughout these years of developing a united struggle to destroy colonialism, at least to push the, uh, op- the aggressors back to the sea and back to your where they came from. And uh, what you will see in, in many instances throughout Africa, uh, an alliance of this group uh, trying to make sure the Europeans don't attack them by give them weapons so they can make war against the other group. Instead of seeing a dynamic uh, throughout Africa or throughout the region, basically trying to push the invaders out. And uh, to me, uh, basically the battle between the, the uh, um, Daomi and uh, Oyo reminds me of that. And also the question of the state, because you can't talk about power without the state. White power is a reflection of white state power, the bourgeois state. You know, as often the chairman says, the Navy, uh, uh, the infantry, uh, you, you name it, you know, uh, basically the military state. Uh, and uh, when you look in Africa, uh, you look at the oils, uh, you look at, uh, at, at the um, uh, uh, diamond, you will see a weak state because the state that we're looking at it has to be a state that can deliver a decisive victory. And uh, Asian revolution comes into uh, perspective because it's an example of a defeat of colonial powers. White colonial powers was defeated. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sure the echo of that reached probably the shores of Africa one way or the other, because we're talking about 1823, that's some 21, 22 years after the Asian uh, revolution. Uh, so that's basically is uh, in terms of historical scale, it's not really uh, a big gap, you know, uh, less than 25 years. So the question of the state, the question of a United State, the question of uh, a United Army, a United Struggle, a United Worldview, uh, because the worldview of the aggressors was quite clear. Uh, they have to dominate Africa. They have to dominate the Americas. They have to dominate uh, the world. But what is what was the worldview of the leadership of uh, uh, Oyo? What was the worldview of the leadership of uh, uh, Daomi? Limited, because uh, they are dealing with uh, what's happening where they are. They don't have a vision that their struggle has to be united to the struggle in far places throughout Africa and far places beyond Africa, going to the Americas and uh, and the places uh, like that. And uh, it's, it's true that uh, this is definitely a reflection of crisis of imperialism. When you see Hollywood doing movies like that, uh, they're trying to control the narrative, as uh, President Kalambay uh, said. That's definitely true. So the history of uh, resistance uh, of African people uh, has to be known. The real history, everything that we're supposed to know about the struggle between uh, you know, uh, oil uh, and development, that's fine. We need to know that. But we need to know the whole history of resistance throughout Africa, throughout the Americas, uh, you know, wherever Africans have been dispersed, that history needs to be known because it's through the lessons of, you know, of our own history that we will consolidate our worldview. Because for us to fight for one African nation, we have to consolidate our understanding for history, that every struggle, every fight, everywhere is our struggle. You know, everywhere African fighting is our struggle. You know, it doesn't matter where you are, it's our struggle. So the united understanding of that. I love the fact that the women are armed. You know, that's a critical question. 
you know, every woman, every African woman has to be armed. Right. We told me we want a people's war, you know, and uh, this just gives you, you know, uh, a, you know, a slight, you know, understanding if all the African women were armed, armed with African internationally first, then armed with, you know, the same thing, uh, you know, uh, Viola uh, uh, Davis, you know, uh, used, you know, every African woman definitely has to have access to that. And in fact, what we also have to be clear, uh, that's not the first time the Africans are, you know, picking up arms uh, to defend uh, what they perceive to be the interest. In the same place in, uh, in um, Daomi, uh, it must be after this, bef- between this period and uh, the uh, Berlin conference, around that time, I don't remember, remember exactly when it happens, the leadership there, decided to compromise with the French. And there's the parliament that is only for women. You've got two sets of parliaments, one for men, another one for women. And it was the parliament of the women that decided we must go to war against the French. The parliament of the men decided, let's compromise. And the women came and say, no compromise, war is on. And I think that maybe another movie can be made uh, about uh, uh, about this. and. Uh, the last thing I just want to say is the, the question of uh, economy. Because you cannot have a worldview if you don't have a united economy. And uh, the fragmentation of Africa, uh, it was facilitated because we did not have a united African economy then. So we have Africans. We, all, we might call ourselves, uh, you know, Yoruba or Igbo or Zulu over there. But... It didn't happen because there was no a united economy. The African nation was not consolidated. So a lot of people were not aware of each other the way it's supposed, it's supposed to be. So this really, uh, this history, this movie basically is bringing all these things forward. Uh, we want to see a united Africa. And for United Africa to happen, we need to have a united understanding, which is African internationalism, basically a worldview. Everything around the world has to be understood in that fashion, that we want to build a new Africa, an Africa that is united. And this can happen without, you know, having uh, the uh, philosophy of uh, African internationalism. So the film basically gives us uh, 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 that understanding, because what is going to unite the oil and the army. Uh, what's going to unite all Africans in the region? So what's going to unite Africans around the world? What is it? It's African internationalism. What for? So we can build our own economy, a united economy that will consolidate the basis of African nation so that what happened to us for the last 600 years can be eradicated once for all because this really is the, uh, the final, uh, uh, I would say, objective for anything we do. You know, any discussion we're going to have among ourselves any film we're going to do, uh, any critique we're going to do, we can't, uh, you know, ignore or uh, the question, what are we going to do now? Now we watch the film, now we have all this discussion, what are we going to do? So we're going to rectify everything and the movement to rectify uh, the verdicts of imperialism, that's the movement, you know, we are part of. That's the movement Chairman Omari uh, has built. And I think to me, that's really uh, where uh, I would stop. From the Haitian Revolution to what we saw between uh, the uh, Daomi and the oil and where we are now, we need 
basically a movement that will unify everything, that will rectify everything. And that movement is talking to you right now. You know, basically it's a movement to build African internationalism. It's a movement to bring all Africans in one common struggle, in one understanding, so we can consolidate the African nation, so we can have one common destiny and we can end this system once for all. Yeah, I really appreciate what you said because of the fact that um, when we think about the colonial enslavement of African people, if 100% of African people are colonized, it doesn't make sense that you'd go into battle with only half of Africa. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if all Africans are colonized, why would you only fight with half of Africa? Uh, uh, it, 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 that's, that, that doesn't uh, make sense. So yeah, you said, you know, you see the sisters, they're armed. And then later on, you correct in the 19th century, that is the African women. Uh, because of the special oppression of African women, what they deal with that are clearly aware of, 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 of the uh, indignities that African people endure, it's the African women who are on the right side of the question, even as uh, 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 um, African um, uh, the, 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 the man parliament, and you're correct, they had those all throughout uh, African society going way back. In, in many ways, actually, uh, um, the equality of African men, women, the presence of same gender love in Africans and things like that was an was ideological justification for the colonial attack on Africa. You are listening to Black Power Talks produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. On today's program, we bring you excerpts from an October 2nd, 2022 roundtable review of this film, which is a hot topic of discussion throughout the African nation. The Woman King tells of a period of war between the Dahomey Empire and the Oyo Empire. The panelists discussed the problems with this sort of narrative of horizontal violence. They also discussed the production of the film to the crisis of imperialism and the reach of African internationalism. Director Tafari. By centering the theme of the conflict between uh, the Oyo and Dahomey, uh, this film runs the risk of fanning the flames or conflict in defense of the false national identities that have been placed upon us. So, and, and in Occupy Design, we know that that's very, very heavy. So why must Africans resist this? Yeah, first thing, first is the contradiction that you are exposing from this movie, I am sure is deliberate. I'm sure it's intentional, you know? And uh, they, you know, it's calculated in terms of what the effects could be from that, you know? And I'm sure maybe from some comments and maybe reviews from some people, I've seen a couple of those, uh, you know, like so the emphasis on the point that it was Africans that were selling other Africans. And, you know, they, even though when the British had abolished slavery, Africans continued to insist that they want to enslave other Africans and all these type of things, you know. So it, it is deliberate. And, but also at the same time, we have to recognize that we live in a society and um, it's a global society one way or another because the type of social system that confronts African people it's a global economic social system. You know, it's a sort of a, an interconnected type of social system from wherever we are in the world. And this social system has an economic base and a superstructure 
But the economic base is the economic base of colonialism. You know, the extraction of the raw materials from Africa, exploitation of the labor of Africans, you know, genocide, dispossession, dispersal of African people, you know, this is the requirement for this society to produce and reproduce itself, to produce the wealth and the skyscrapers and everything. The requirement for that and wealth for the bourgeoisie is for Africa to be colonized. That's the economic base. And then uh, on top of the economic base, you have what you call a superstructure. And that's where, you know, you begin to have this thing of languages, culture, movies, you know, academia and all type of churches and, and whatever. What you have within the superstructure uh, is actually shaped by the economic base. It cannot go against the economic base. It's not supposed to, because if it does that, then you're going to have this, uh, you know, problem within the society. There's going to be maybe a fracture or, you know, like uh, it, it won't be like as cohesive as it's supposed to be. You will really have problems. You will have crisis in other words, you know. So right now, because if these, uh, you know, colonizers are making movies that are supposed to represent us as African people or wake us up or make us recognize something about ourselves or our relationship with the social system, then you know that the system is in a crisis. It's evident to us as Africans that, the system is in a crisis and we are winning. So we have to go beyond simply celebrating a movie and that I'm represented and whatever. Because at the same time, as African internationalists, we're not fighting against racism. That over the years, the white man was not representing us correctly in their movies, Hollywood and all these things. Yeah, it's fine. We can enjoy uh, the movie, not only enjoy the movie, but use the movie you know, to, um, in, in our favor, like we're doing right now in this uh, program. But then... Uh, it's important for us to recognize that the fight is not to get more movies about Dahomey or more movies about, uh, you know, um, uh, African history, this and that, you know. Uh, the, the struggle is to be, in, like, to fight for an independent, self-determining African nation so that we can begin to produce movies ourselves and even to decide on the topics that we want to address. You know, we want, we want more movies about, like, you, you have talked about the Queen of the Ashanti, uh, you know, we have uh, the Queen of, you know, we have Asantua, who was a warrior in uh, in Ghana uh, mm -hmm. and, and so forth. You know, we, we need more movies, but then those movies have to be pro produced uh, in an economic base that's there to address the interest of African people. You know, so uh, to, to answer your question, President Matamela, um, African people, we are one nation from wherever we are. Mm -hmm. We are a dispersed nation. You know, it doesn't matter where you are. And I want to say something also about this uh, question of the oil and the, and the Dahomey. Uh, today, the oils and the Dahomey, whether you're the descendant of the uh, oil or the Dahomey, you're colonized. And there's no, you know, right, right now, if you, if you live on the street, that is dusty streets of uh, Benin or Nigeria or whatever the case may be, you are colonized. You, you don't need to know whether, even if you're in the U.S., you don't even have to go and get a blood test and say, uh, well, um, or DNA test and say, I'm from the Dahomey or I'm from the oil. You are colonized. And the white man, when you get killed on the streets, doesn't matter uh, whether you are a descendant of the oil or of the Dahomey. Mm -hmm. The fact that you are, is, is that you are an African. And that's mm -hmm. what uh, Chimino Malish tell with African internationalism is, uh, you know, helping us to understand in order for us to be able to fight. And um, so the struggle today is not even about going back to being oil or to being a Dahomey. Like we see with some some pretty bourgeois forces, even in, inside Nigeria or in, in East Africa, even in Zimbabwe, for example, uh, there's this talk about 
uh, the Zimbabwean government is made up of the Shonas, and the Shonas are uh, suppressing the uh, the Ndebeles as the minority there. So the Ndebele can maybe fight for I want, and we want an independent Ndebele state in Zimbabwe. But then the independent Ndebele state is will be part of the fragmentation, the division of the African nation. And then what you're going to have there is that you're going to have a new colonial state whereby the petty bourgeoisie, uh, in order for the petty bourgeoisie to even have a successful new colonial state like we see with Rwanda and so forth, it has to happen at the expense of the rest of Africa, at, at the expense of Congo, or at the expense of the African working class, even within that Ndebele nation, uh, so-called nation. You know, So uh, it's within our interest uh, to fight for a unified Africa, it's within our interest to recognize that uh, history, uh, you know, even despite all the contradictions and so forth, uh, where we are right now, uh, we are in a place where we have to recognize the fact that um, that whole transatlantic slave trade, is a, that whole process benefited the colonizer, white people all over the world as a nation benefited from what happened uh, in Dahomey. Uh, you know, it's not the Dahomey working class right now, you know, that benefited from that. It's not the Oyo working class that benefited, it's the white nation that benefited. That, that's why we're saying that um, the, in, the locus of the international class struggle is concentrated within the colonial question. You know, that's what Chairman Omali is saying. It's within the colonial, not the tribal question, not the class question within Europe and so forth. It's, it's within the fact that Africa is dominated by uh, a, an imperialism, white power, and that's, that, that's what we have to be fighting against today, Uhuru. The panel closed out by discussing the role of women in the African Revolution. Point nine of the working platform of the African People's Socialist Party states, we want an end to the political and social oppression and economic exploitation of African women. We believe in the absolute, unequivocal, political, social, and economic equality of African women and men. We believe that a fundamental test of the progressive or revolutionary character of any organization, party, movement, or society is its commitment confirmed in practice to the destruction of the special oppression of women and the elevation of women to the rightful place as equal partners and leaders in the forward motion of the development of human society and as leaders, makers, and shapers of human history. The panelists underscore the importance of African women as equal partners to the struggle for African liberation. Liberation for African people cannot be found inside any single country. Throughout the film, uh, the concepts of reproduction, motherhood, African family are central themes to this film. How has colonial capitalism stolen the ability for Africans to produce life and labor for ourselves? Uh, I live in South Africa in a township and you know the, the issue of health even all together you know cause the question of uh, motherhood and birth and so forth it is tied to even the question of of health in terms of the ability to bring life in this in this world you know it's it's a horror you know it's a horror type of situation in the hospitals in South Africa you know you go there no one is giving you attention you know like a lot of um um, mothers, uh, you know, losing their children at birth, you know, it's happening. It's, 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 it's a serious issue. And I'm talking about South Africa where there's an assumption of some type of infrastructure. So you can imagine the rest of Africa, you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it makes African women, I believe, 
to even desire less, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, like uh, being, being producing life in this, in this type of, uh, of society. And uh, so I, I just wanted to say that reporting in terms of, of the institutions that are supposed to, you know, like help African women to bring life uh, in, into this world, it's, it's, um, it's, it's undesirable. It's, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's there to, uh, to um, and, you know, it, it, it makes it like, uh, it, it makes it difficult for, 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 for anyone to be able to, uh, to, to cope or to even say, you know, like, you know, like, just give a quick example. When you, you, when you look at older women, when, 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 when they have to go to hospital for a critical issue, they will say, no, don't take me that. I want to die in my house. I don't want to die in that hospital because they know that if I go there, I'm not coming back. They're scared of going to a hospital because they feel like if I go there, I'm never coming back. So I'd rather just die here peacefully uh, in, in, in the house. Yeah, hold on. Ashil Waisi, uh, you mentioned something about the uh, reproduction uh, uh, you know, of life by African women. Colonialism is a negation of life for black people. In particular, is a negation of the right to reproduce life for African women. That's what colonialism is. And uh, every aspect of it, we don't have a tradition of putting women in jails. That's a tradition of colonialism. In fact, in ancient Africa, law was administered by women. If you check the Egyptian society, the ancient Egyptian society, the women were the ministers of law, not men. So therefore you couldn't have a society where women were sent to jail. It's just unbelievable, unthinkable. You go to displaced camps all over Africa. You've got tens of millions of millions of black women living in the displaced camps, which are in reality concentration camps. Uh, you, uh, you just see the uh, amount of uh, unemployment uh, in the communities where people spend days with just one poor meal, not a balanced meal, a very poor meal. So colonialism is a population control too, because what it does, it, it eliminates, it kills, it genocide basically of colonized people. Uh, when it does not succeed in eradicating a population, what it does, it maintained all people in a condition of sickness all the time. Go to any African community, go to Africa, just take a blood sample. You will see, what do we have? Ebola, dengue fever, uh, malaria, uh, you name it. Uh, typhus, I mean, you have all, all kinds of diseases we didn't even have before. Cholera, everything is there. So we're living with genocide every single day. So colonialism is against the reproduction right uh, of uh, African women and of uh, African people uh, in general. That's why uh, it makes sense that the only way out of it, we have to be accounted for. We cannot join uh, the colonizers. Joining the colonizers means just giving an extension to colonialism. We have to join the revolution, the struggle for national liberation. That's what we have to do. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are, on your level, in the city you are, in wherever you are, you have to join the resistance. You know, one of the conversations that Africans have, in, this movie brought it out, and I heard it before, 
you know, well, Africans participated in selling each other. You know, um, this is a discussion. And, and my thought, and I have said this to people, so I want my comrades to correct me if it's the wrong position. But my whole thing is, you know, like right now, it's a critical, it's a, it's a huge thing where here, right here in St. Louis, where it is black people that are all the people that sell the community. They, they, they sell in our community and they in black face. Obama was black face that sold the people out. And so the, so if you are pointing out that Africans participate, what side of the question are you on? Are you are a seller of your people or are you a defender of your people? It's only, this mode of production only produce one or two things. You either gonna be fighting for liberation or you participating in slavery of your own slavery and your own people and your own kids' future. So like, which side of the question are you on for Africans? Like you can't be both. You cannot be both. You cannot say that I am, you know, um, on the right side of the question and not fight or defend or do something to stop slavery. You know, you can't do both. You have to be on one of the side of the equation. So instead of you trying to figure out who was selling who, can you tell me what side you on today? That's what I need to know. So this is 2022 and African people are still catching hell all over the world and we need to make a revolution and Africa is under attack. Are you defending Africa or are you sitting back participating in the looting of Africa and African people? You've been listening to Black Power Talks produced by WBPU Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. On today's program, we shared excerpts from an October 2nd, 2022 roundtable review of the 2022 film, The Woman King. Our theme song, Get Up and Do Something, was written and produced by Elikia Ngoma. We would like to also thank all of the members of the Black Power Talks Productions and Promotions team. Uhuru. You can pray until you faint, but if you don't get up and try to do something, God is not going to put it in your life.